Okay, Exodus chapter 18. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 18 this afternoon. Now I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. It says, When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom. For he said, I've been an alien in a strange land. The name of the other was Eliezer. For the God of my father, said he, was mine help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law, Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and did obeisance, and kissed him. And they asked each other their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh, and to the, to the Egyptians, for Israel's sake. And all the travail that had come upon them by the way, how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all that the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. The title of the message this afternoon is Preparation for Life Through Trials. Through Trials. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your word. We thank you that we have uh, uh, everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we thank you, Father, for the written record you've given us. And, Father, to help us to learn from this record of others that have gone before and to be warned and beware and be wise and I pray that these things are written for us so that we wouldn't fall into the same pitfalls and mistakes and sins that they did, that we might know your blessing upon our lives and in our service for thee. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, God's plan and purpose for Israel was quite simple. It was to them to dwell in the land of Canaan. That was the promised land. And worship and serve the true and living God. Now for 400 years, 430 plus years, they've been slaves in Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is a type of the world. So really they were out of place. And of course, you know, the circumstances that took them there is why they're there. But anyway, a slave, you think about a slave, a slave has no rights. No rights. They're owned by someone else. And, you know, from serving in Egypt, they should have learned, they should have learned what it means to serve. You really think about it. After all, you know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20, what, know you not that you're, been bought with a price, and we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. You know, we, as Christians, we really don't, and that's not a right quotation, I missed half the verse there, but anyway, we belong to God, 
we're not our own. And we shouldn't live like we're own. You know, these people had learned to be subservient to Pharaoh. And so, by that, they should have learned to be subservient to God. And they were to go in the land. You know, God's instructions for them was to go in the land, to conquer the giants, and, 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 and to drive them out or utterly destroy them. Now, I don't know, you know, sometimes I think weird things, but... Okay, so they're going into the land to conquer it, and there's people living there. What would be the temptation to do to them? That had been done to you. Yeah, we noticed this morning that really the Egyptians kept the Israelites to enrich themselves, to make life easy for themselves. You know, the, the, the Israelites were the ones that did all the hard labor. And they the Egyptians wanted to keep them so that they didn't have to do the hard labor. So what would be a temptation if now God has delivered them from Egypt, He's taken them into a land, that, that, you know, there's people in the land, but they're, they're people of wickedness, so, but God has told them to utterly destroy them. What, was the, what would be a temptation from a human standpoint to do? Hey, let's make life a little easier for ourselves. We can conquer these people. God promised we can conquer them. Let's make slaves of them. And so, make life easy for ourselves. But again, that's human reasoning. That's not following the command of God. Because just as, and you think about this, when the children of Israel got into the, into the wilderness, what were some of the things they had a hankering for? the stuff they had in Egypt. You know, the fact that they were slaves in Egypt did not, did not mean that they were not affected by the idolatry and the abundance of Egypt. They were. And then they got into the wilderness and, and God had provided them enough Enough. He provided them what they needed. But it wasn't an abundance. Were they content? No. They weren't. They weren't. And so, you know, these are things that, this, this is, I believe, what God is preparing them for, for living for the Lord. And He prepares them through trials just as He prepares us through trials. You know, trials aren't fun. You know, James says to count it all joy. Right? I've never yet said, I never yet said, thank you, Lord, for this trial. I'm just having such a good time in it. Now, you know, um, but we are, but James tells us to count it all joy and you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trial of your faith worketh 
patients, let patients have a perfect work, that you may be perfect in time, wanting nothing. So trials are for a purpose. And, and these trials that the children of Israel are going to enter into in being delivered out of Egypt and, and living in the, in the uh, uh, wilderness are preparation for living in the land of Canaan, a land that flows with milk and honey. So, so as we think about this, first of all, we see that they're saved out of Egypt. In, in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Notice, the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. It wasn't that they delivered themselves. It was very evident. You know, God made it very clear, and, and it was very clear to the children of Israel that unless God had intervened, they had never been able to leave Egypt. You know, Egypt had them under an iron fist control. Uh, they, they had the army to, to destroy them. And, and so they had the power to make them subservient. It was only by the grace of God and the power of God demonstrated that was able to bring them out of Egypt. You know, the plagues on all the gods of Egypt, God destroying the land of Egypt. You know, the land that they helped make prosperous. And God's destroying it. And so, so it, this, this deliverance out of Egypt is of the Lord. It's all, it's all of the Lord. And, of course, the passage through the Red Sea, you know, God led them and purposely uh, between a mountain and a sea so that he would give them a great deliverance. And so, you know, it is only God. Again, it's only God that can deliver us from this present evil world. The whole world lies in wickedness. It lives, sitteth comfortably in, in Satan's lap, if you will. The world's system, the world's philosophies, the world's attitudes, you know, all these things we can have victory over through our Lord Jesus Christ. After all, Jesus said, or, or John said in 1 John, uh, 1 John chapter 1, and I'm missing a page here. Here it is. 1 John chapter 1, verses, verse 8, 1 John 3, verse 8, I'm sorry. Says he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. See, God can give us power to overcome the works of the devil. We don't have to be subservient to him. We can have victory. We can have victory. We see this spelled out for us in First Corinthians chapter ten concerning the children of Israel and Coming out of Egypt, in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 4, uh, the Bible says, Therefore, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, did all eat the same spiritual meat, did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual, spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so it was God that brought them out of Egypt, saved them out of Egypt. Salvation is of the Lord. But not only is salvation of the Lord, but the second thing we are to do uh, through the power of God is to subdue the old man, the old nature. If you notice in, in our text in Exodus 18, verse 8, it says, And Moses told his father-in-law all the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. 
in all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. So there was travail. That word travail means trouble, hardships, distress, weariness. You know, they, when they come into the land, there was all kinds of problems that they had to face. And, 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 and the Bible says here that how the Lord delivered them out of them. You know, this is, this is what we call sanctification. It's a process. You know, I used to use an illustration years ago when I was teaching kids in Bible school. How do you get wrinkles out of your shirt? Well, you know, modern day is you put it, you buy a permanent press and you wash it and you put it in the dryer, you take it out and hang it up right away, you know, and then there's no wrinkles in it. How about when I was a kid? Let's go back a ways. You had an iron and you made it hot. You got heat to it and you pressed it. Now, bring that into real-life situations, an iron and pressing speaks of pressures, or you're, you're exerting a force. And, and so that's how the Lord sanctifies us. That's how the Lord sanctified Job. That's how the Lord sanctified Moses, was through trials. That's, that's why James says, Count it all joy when you follow any diverse temptations, knowing the trial of your faith worketh patience. If you let patience, if you let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect entire winning nothing. And so there's these all these problems they face. You know, uh, the Bible tells us in Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples, exerting them that to continue in faith, that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. John, John 16, 33, these things have I spoken to you, you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Be a good cheer, I have overcome the world. You know, we can overcome the tribulations of the world through the Lord. And Israel saw distress in many different ways. They saw distress within. In chapter 15 of Exodus, you know, they had distressing situations amongst their own people. In verse 22, it says, And then Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, went three days in the wilderness and found no water. This is a distressing situation. I mean, they just, they just came through the Red Sea, this great climatic event, you know, this mountaintop experience, and now they've been three days without water. And you might say, why did God allow them to go three days without water? Yeah, three days without water, that's a pretty long time. Pretty long time. You get thirsty. And verse 23 says, And when they came to Merah, they could not drink of the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of the water the name of it was called Merah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried on the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he... What's the next word? Proved. You know what the Lord's trying to do? He's trying to prove their faith. So he, so he allows them to go three days without water to prove their faith. 
I've never gone a whole day without water. Chapter 16, verse 1. Took their journey from Elam, and all the congregations of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day. And the whole con- of the 15th day of the second month after the departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. We sat by the... Here, here, we're going to go back. Uh, okay, what they're doing is they're now going back to what they had in Egypt. We sat by the flesh pots when we did eat bread to the full, and ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may, here it is again, prove them, whether they will walk in my law or not. So he said, I'm going to give you bread each day. And they were told to go out every morning and pick up what they needed for that day. That's all. He said, don't gather and keep it over for the next day. Don't do it. Did they believe it? Do you know what some of them did? They gathered a whole bunch. Kept it over the next day. And it got maggots. Stunk. And God says, how long till you believe me? I mean, I brought you through the Red Sea. You were entrapped in the wilderness between the mountain and the sea. And the Egyptians were coming behind you. And you were trapped there. I delivered you. I brought you into the wilderness. I brought you to a place of water that was bitter. And I made it sweet for you. And now I brought you to this place and, 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 you know, you're murmuring about food and I promise to give you fruit every day. Just gather enough for each day. Because it's not going to keep over. Do you, know, do you know, this must have been the most purest and the healthiest food ever eaten by man. Do you know the more preservatives there is in food, the longer you can leave it sit out? And the more life that's in the food, the quicker it rots. I mean, if you buy an old white bread at the store, you can probably let it set out for weeks in the summertime, in the heat of the summer, and it probably wouldn't get moldy. The birds wouldn't even eat it. I, I don't like it. I think it's like eating feathers or something. You know, it's just worthless. But, you know, if you buy bread, you know, my wife makes some homemade bread, and it's, it's, it's better. But if you buy, like, Ezekiel bread or something like that, you cannot let it sit out. It'll mold like that. You know why? Because there's life in it. There's real life in it. And, and this stuff that they were eating was very nutritious. You know, you know, they were the healthiest people on the face of the earth. Anyway, getting off my subject. But did they listen? No. Were they satisfied with God's ways? Were they content with just having enough food for today? No. You know what God was trying to pair them for? Look, don't you go in the land and make slaves of those people and then so you can sit back and take it easy and be full and turn your heart away from me. You know, isn't that kind of where America is? That's where we are. And also, he's preparing them. There's going to be greater conflicts ahead. Get ready. You know, there's giants in this land. 
we've already had some that didn't want to turn away. You know, trials are preparatory for greater conflict. There was discouragement without. In Exodus chapter 17, we find in verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, go, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand upon the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. You know, this attack, this attack of Amalek was an early effort to try and destroy or discourage the children of Israel from their purpose. You know, if God can't keep you from salvation, you know what He's going to do? He's going to try and attack you and keep you from you fulfilling His purpose in your life. James Foster Brown says concerning this, some time probably elapsed before they were exposed to this new evil, and the presumption of there being such an interval affords the only ground in which we can satisfactorily account for the altered, the better, and former spirit that animated the people in this sudden contest. The miracles of manna and the water from the rock have produced a deep impression and permanent conviction that God was indeed among them, and with feelings elevated by the conscious experience of the divine presence and aid, they remain calm, resolute, and courageous under the attack of their unexpected foe. This was totally unexpected. But they did. You see, the trials that had preceded this were in preparation for this. You know, 2 Timothy 3, 2, say, and all live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so we must be prepared and allow God to prepare us. Uh, we must trust God, not men. We must be willing to fight the flesh, stand against the world, oppose those who would oppose God's way, whether they be friend or foe. The third thing we see here, and I'm not going to take a lot of time, but uh, we see the sustaining power of God. Notice again in verse 8 of Exodus 18, it says, And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how he Lord had delivered them. You know, this this deliverance was a continual thing. It was a continual thing. In other words, you know, they came to Elam and the water was bitter. So Moses was told you cast a tree into the water and it'll be made sweet, so he did. You know, he comes into the to the wilderness of sin where there was no food, and they're grumbling about food. And the Lord tells Moses, look, I'm going to send bread down to the full, and I'm going to send quail in the evening. Meat in the evening, bread in the morning, man in the morning. And he does. There's a battle with Amalek, and God gives them deliverance. You know, so all these things, and it's it's a continual thing that happens throughout the wilderness, that God continues to deliver them. Continues. Through all the trials that Israel faced, God proved himself true and able to meet every need. Every need. There was a verse in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you. And it's in the context, really, of the children of Israel being in the wilderness. But there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. 
So no matter what trial you're in, there is a way of deliverance, a way out that is right. You just have to be willing to take the right way. Because sometimes we don't want the Lord's way. We want it our way. Kind of reminds me of, you know, my days of working with cows. You know, oftentimes, you know, there's a place you want this cow to go. She don't want to go there. She don't want to go there. They want to choose their own way. You know, sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We want what we want. The Lord has a way for us to escape the trial or the temptation that we may be able to bear it, but the problem is many times we don't want to take it. But God has proved Himself true. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 86 and verse 7, In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. You see, God promised them deliverance. Continual deliverance. He provided them continual deliverance through the trials and tests of life. And the generation that finally went into the land to possess the land, probably more than any other generation had learned to trust God because they'd been through all kinds of trials and adversity. You know, they were the ones that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years while their parents died off. The parents who refused to believe God died because of their unbelief. You know, they ate the same food every day. They wore the same clothes every day. They wore the same shoes every day. The Bible says their shoes waxed not old, their clothes not wore out. They saw the same places over and over again. And me was, you and I would say, what a boring life. But you know, if that's what you know, you see, they weren't the ones that had set at the flesh pots in Egypt, had been corrupted by the Egyptians. They were the ones that, what the life they knew was the wilderness. Living from day to day. Seeing God provide from day to day. They didn't think the Lord was restrictive. See, so often that we have this mindset that it's just not fair. Why wouldn't the Lord allow me to have that? Why do you need it? If that was the mindset of Adam and Eve, she looked at the fruit and said, why wouldn't the Lord allow me to have that? It's not fair. Instead of being content. Did God make a way for Eve to escape? Yes, he did. Don't eat it. It's quite simple. See, the, the reality is, you and I, we can really do anything that He asks. Your life is full of struggles, besetting sins, doubts, and fears. 
But we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He has promised to provide all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, I think sometimes it's, it is because, and again, I'm including myself in this, we, we are afraid we don't feel we are in control. You know, really, think about it. When, when you're depending upon God to give you food for today, today, and there's not enough for tomorrow today, you have to also depend on God to give you food for tomorrow. But see... My way of thinking is, I want to kill the cow, the fatted calf, and I want to fill the freezer so I have six months of steak and hamburger and roast. Because what if? What if there's not any tomorrow? See, if the freezer's full, I feel like I have control. I have security by the things that I see when I put my glasses on. <laughs> but see, if the freezer's empty and I'm depending on God to give me today what I need today and tomorrow what I need tomorrow and Tuesday what I need Tuesday, I don't have any control of that. Unless my security is in God. See, this is what the Lord's trying to get His people this is the place he's trying to get his people to. A fourth thing I see here, and that is the superiority of our God. Notice verses 10 and 11. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. You know, Egypt prided itself in itself. I mean, they had it all. And, you know, Egypt still prides itself in the fact that they had the Nile, the Nile River. You know, that is the pride of Egypt, is the Nile and the fertile land that surrounds it. However, what they found out was that the God of Israel was greater than all the gods of Egypt. You know, the, again, the trials of of, of the and tribulations and troubles that Israel had in the wilderness, they were, they were really twofold. They were to test them, to reveal to themselves who they really are, and then to demonstrate the superiority of the God. You know, it was to test them, were the people of faith or were they people of unbelief? You know, when we grumble and complain and lose control of ourselves and, you know, are irrational and so on and so forth, uh, we're really yielding to the wiles of the devil and his plan to undo us. To ruin our fellowship with God. And when our fellowship with God is hindered, our usefulness for God is rendered useless. 
And so, you know, it's to, it's to test, test ourselves. But the second thing we see here, it demonstrates God's superiority. If you notice in verse, um, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 12, 12, not verse 12, 12, 12. There's a statement here. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Notice, against all the gods of Egypt. Egypt had many gods. But the God is going to execute judgment upon all the gods of Egypt. In other words, he is greater. He is over all gods. All of these other gods are false gods. Really, really, you know, there's only two gods in the world. You know, man has his inventions of gods, but there's really only two. That's God, the true God, and then there's the devil. All these other false gods come from the devil, or of the devil. And in spite of the fact that Israel many times failed to trust God, God abideth faithful. He still delivered them. He still demonstrated himself superior to the gods of Egypt. You know, in spite of Israel's unbelief, God kept his promises. He judged Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. And he took Israel in the land, even though it took 40 years. And here's, here's the amazing part to me. Even after 40 years, the people in Jericho were still afraid. They were still afraid of the God they heard about that parted the Red Sea. They were still afraid. I mean, isn't it a miracle in itself that all these people could survive for 40 years in a wilderness? A desert place. That in itself is a miracle of God. And though He judged them for their sin, and that's basically, again, He's being faithful in His Word. He said He would if they sinned against Him. Yet he brought them in to the land of Egypt. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You know, when God makes a promise, we can kind of, he's going to keep it. Whether you deserve the fulfillment of that promise or not. Isaiah 45 and verses 18 to 22 says this, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. You know, only the earth was made to be inhabited, not Mars. You know, sorry, Jeff Bozo, we aren't going to live on Mars. But anyway... I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not under the seat of Jacob, 
seek ye me in vain. He, said, uh, he didn't say to Jacob, you seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no, no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. See, God didn't say to Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. In other words, it is not vain to seek the Lord. You'll never find it vain to end up empty if you seek the Lord in your life. You know, I like, you know, one of my favorite songs, songs, I have quite a few favorites, I guess, but is, you know, I'm not a big fan of Martin Luther, but he wrote a great hymn. Mighty fortresses are God. And the second, second stanza says, Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Then verse 3 says, And through this, though this world with devils filled, and it is filled with devils. You know, by the way, what I was talking a little bit this morning about Elisha seeing, you know, uh, the mountains filled with chariots and horses round about Elisha. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 34, The, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. I believe it was John Morrison who was a missionary to the Hebrides or Hebrides Islands, the Cannibal Islands. On several nights, several occasions, the natives would gather around with torches and chant and threaten his life. And he and his wife would just huddle in their house and pray to God. And many times by morning, they'd be all gone. And later, one of the natives said, you had men camped around your house with swords. The angel of the Lord. You know, there are, there are, we're talking about, you know, the Bible talks about spiritual wickedness in high places. Daniel gives us a little glimpse in that. You know, our world is with devils filled. But, and though this world is devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. Elijah wasn't afraid. Elisha wasn't afraid. He knew that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. His rage we can endure. You know the... um, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that um, we have an adversary, the devil, that walketh about as a roaring lion, 
You know, a roar can really scare you to death, but it can't kill you. That's what the devil is. See, his, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. See, our God is superior. You know, that older generation of children of Israel says, you are not able to take us in. God said, okay. And they said, our children will be a prey to those people in there. God said, okay, I won't take you in. I'll take your children in. I'll take your children in. You won't believe me? I'll take your children in. You see, God is superior. God reward us for our faith in him. You know, our lives are going to be filled with trials and tribulation. But we have a God that will get us through every trial and tribulation if we trust Him. We have a God that's superior. He's greater than the gods of this world. After all, He made the world. And we can just trust and have confidence and assurance in Him. And though you may go through trials and tribulations... May we continue just to be faithful and have confidence in him, knowing that the Lord is greater than all gods.